Fit Nation. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by veterans and hosted by veterans and their military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with the Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on, share some of your tips with the audience to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. Reach out, we will get you on. If you are feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed to share that with them, please dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make it a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, Welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. That's the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell. This will keep you up to date with all of our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Electrocast Media and About Face Radio. This will keep you up to get to us and learn more about our great guests. For me. I'm gonna need a double shot. 
up, line them up, knock them back, knock them back, knock them back, knock them back. Fill them up, fill them up, fill them up, fill them up. Cause if she ain't ever coming back, line them up, line them up, line them up, line them up. Knock them back, knock them back, knock them back, knock them back. Fill them up, fill them up, fill them up, fill them up. Cause if she ain't ever coming back, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. Cause I don't wanna see the truth. Now. now I got you loud and clear. All right, all right. So welcome, Jake, USMC veteran, five-time natural physique champion. Uh, it's great to have uh, Ura on here with us. You know, it's always good to have my Marine brothers come on. Uh, we served uh, uh, at different times, but I was with the – got to operate with two four Marines in Ramadi while you were in the Pacific uh, doing uh, exotic things in the Pacific Ocean. We were in a beautiful downtown Ramadi. So welcome to the show, Jake. Oh, it's good to be here, man, and that you're with 2-4. Even better, Rich. Thanks for having me on, brother. Semper Fi. As soon as I seen you on the on the pod matches, I got to get this dude on here and try to go live with him. And it, all the stars aligned, and we were able to get on here. So thank you for uh, adjusting your schedule and our both our schedules, really, and coming on here. Likewise, brother. Thanks for having me and appreciate the invitation. So if you don't mind, Jacob, give us a little background of you from as far back as you want to go to through your time in the Corps to how we got to where we are now. Yeah, sure. Uh, I grew up in New Orleans. That's where I'm from, born and raised. Uh, not too far from the Superdome, so I grew up on the black and gold with the Saints, who that? <laughs> and uh, left not too long after turning uh, 18, uh, went off to the Marine Corps. Childhood for me was a little... Uh, kind of a facade. My parents split up when I was a kid and I was living under false pretenses with uh, one parent and had another one forced away from circumstance. And so home wasn't the best place for me because what people thought they saw as perfect was actually a big show. And uh, I hid it for years, decades, pretty much all my life from people. So running away to the Marine Corps was actually a, a gift to me and looked like much more appealing than what I wanted to stay at home. So found myself there, loved it, loved being a Marine, bought into the warrior code and ethos and the brotherhood and just the ideology and history of everything. And found myself for two years working security forces, which is not what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, it was 2003 when I enlisted, I wanted to go straight to the desert. Didn't get my way. Uh, was under the influence of a recruiter. He was doing his job, blah, blah, blah. But I ended up finding my way to the fleet in 2005, went on that Mew uh, to Okinawa. I had a blast there in the Philippines, working with some of the Filipino army there, looking for you know Abu Sayyaf and the 
in the jungles that were tramping around at the time, but it wasn't what I wanted out of it, so to speak, for what I had originally enlisted for. But I made great friends, had great memories, got to do some cool stuff, and certainly carried what I learned from there uh, for the rest of my life. And I'll always be Green Marine. But what came after that was a disconnect from society that I did not foresee coming because the Marine Corps built within me an identity that I did not have before. And I didn't realize how much of that identity I was really clung to until I left and no longer had it, right? I loved being a Marine, Rich. You know, I loved carrying that purpose every single day, waking up, no matter what the mission was, no matter where we were, I always knew what I was doing because I was a Marine. And that meant being great. It meant having honor and courage and commitment every single day. And not just for the name tapes on my chest, but for the 200 some odd years of people that had done that before us, it was always something to say, you know, it's my turn. It's my time to put my signature and memory and lasting bit of, you know, something on this same colors that these other people have done. So before us, then I get to the civilian world. I was like, what's my purpose now? What do I do? I don't understand. I can't hold the job because I don't have a diploma, even though I was making billion dollar phone calls as a teenager a few years ago. And then now I can't have a beer. This is weird. I was walking down the street with a gun. I don't, I don't understand that world and the world didn't understand me. So I was mad and I was angry and I was confused. And I took all that anger and confusion out on myself by way of, you know, succumbing to pleasurable company over and over and over with a insatiable lust same thing with substance and drinks and experiences and food and anything that I could use to not feel reality in every facet of life. So I took every job I could get, uh, tried to go back to school, didn't work too well. I didn't want to be there. I didn't find school very interesting. Um, I just saw it as a means to an institutionalized need. Worked at a bar for five years, which was awesome because it was fun. And it was probably also the worst thing for me because of what it provided. <laughs> but I wouldn't change it for the world. I was with a great group of guys and people all around and, and had plenty of love and, and good times. But still, it was masking a lot of pain for me. And then found myself in the oil field not too long after that. Uh, it was an easy transition of work because you got to wear protective equipment. It's dangerous. We speak a different language. The vernacular is a form of English, even though it's not what English people most think. Uh, but nobody's shooting at you, so it's kind of cool. All the terminologies, maritime and nautical, you curse a lot. There's a hierarchical rank structure with, you know, warning orders and chain. I was like, I can do this pretty well. You fly there in a helicopter. You go through the helo dunker again. I was like, yeah, this is great. Did that for a few years and loved it. And um, unfortunately, got laid off during a recession or a crash in the market we had in 2015. And I thought I was going to be doing that for a while or for life. I saw a career trajectory there. I still didn't have a college, college diploma. I was making six figures. I was like, okay, that can turn this into something pretty lucrative here. This isn't bad. And then lost that and finally said, okay, I need to go back to school. I'm feeling this call. Let me figure this out. I went down to one of my family's places in Mexico. My mother is actually from Mexico, if you believe that. Most people don't. At least, at least not by how I look and talk. 
And uh, I went down there to regroup and collect my thoughts. I was with a girlfriend at the time. We broke up. I was in a mess. I needed to find myself. So I down there, I literally shut the world out, disconnected from everything and kind of got a vision. And that vision was to go to New York and to go to school in New York, which is the absolute long shot of long shots, giving where it been. I'd never lived there. The difficulty of getting into the school I was trying to go to, the money that would be required, everything was just to the max, which if anybody that knows me that does, would probably say that's typical Jake, like going for the absolute most extreme situation undeservingly and against all odds, da 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 But that's the one. So I applied to the Fashion Institute of Technology in Manhattan, and they laughed at me a few times because my grades were so bad from transferring from LSU, which is where I'd been before, and I had 100 and almost 30 credit hours, but you know, a 1.1, 1.2 GPA or something just abysmal like that. And uh, I asked, is there any way I could get in? What could I do if I did well? Da, 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 da. They're like, well, you could come here and take courses as a non-matriculating student. And if you do well enough after several semesters, maybe we'll let you in. I was like, well, what if I come there and make straight A's? How long would it take? They're like, well, that's pretty ambitious and lofty considering how hard it is to get in here and then the difficulty of being here. I was like, can it be done? Just tell me that. And they're like, technically, sure. Like, we'll bite. You're going to come here and make straight A's? Yeah, go for it. We'll, we'll honor you if you can do a couple of semesters. And I was like, I'll see you in January. I went there. I never made straight A's in my life, Rich. <laughs> and, um, you know, 16 hours later, first semester, straight A's. And my parents were laughing. They're like, it's going to save us a lot of time and trouble if uh, you would have just done this 15 years ago. <laughs> 10 years ago so that was that a couple of semesters of that I got accepted I went straight A's all the way through the whole time I was there I graduated second out of 2000 as a salutatorian and again my parents were like what the hell (laughs) Uh, went from there to work for Ralph Lauren as a global uh, human rights compliance officer to me that was my x plus y equals z go to school got up there I'm a corporate guy now, work Madison Avenue. This is what I always wanted, what I thought I wanted, the clothes, the work, the, the, the panache, all that New York City prestige. And then I get there and I hated it. Not the people, not the culture, still love that, still love the brand, still wear the brand. But I was confined to a cubicle. There was no organics to the business. There was no allowance for me to play my assets or to be the operator that I am. It was too admin. It was too sedentary. It was too S shop, so to speak. And it took me having to be there to realize that. And I used to walk to Central Park and cry during lunch. Literally, I would take lunch. Most people would eat in the office. I would always walk to the furthest place possible to get something, eat it there, and then to walk back just to take all of the time away from not being in the office. And a lot of those times were spent literally walking into the Central Park and crying and saying, this can't be it. This cannot be the end of the road. I have not come this far, gone through this much, drudged through this much muck and shit and stuff to like, no, this can't be it. And so I dealt with it. I dealt with it. I kept trying to think and ponder and wonder how is this going to work out? And then one day it was a snowy day. 
I was looking down from our window in the ivory tower and I saw all these people on the street, like working, you know, commuters going to and fro, hustlers, delivery riders and whatnot. And I was like, I need to be on the street, man. I need to be doing something where I can be back kicking indoors and, and going house to house. Like not literally, but something that's putting me back as an operator playing to playing to the advantage of my skill set, not being here and neutralized by clacking keys and not being able to talk and be personable and engaging and interact with people. Cause that's what I do. And I didn't really realize that until again, it was taken from me. And so my brother had been talking about real estate with me for a while. His wife is a licensing attorney and between their influences and a couple of other people's telling me like, Dude, you should do it. Like you're a people person, blah, blah, blah. And once I started to figure that out, that it was more about playing to that skill set and me and, and allowing me to be who I am naturally. And that once I saw that physical attributes mattered, meaning if you and I, Rich, were across the street and there was a deal to be made, if I could literally run there faster than you, sometimes that makes the difference between doing a deal or not, especially in New York City. And I was like, why am I not in that field? So between that and a few other competitive and comparative advantages that I quickly saw about drive, capacity, just output and energy, I was like immediately drawn to that. And then you couple that with the 90% attrition rate of, for, of first year agents in real estate in New York, I was locked because most people see that as no way. I don't want to do that. I'm scared. That's too intimidating. And I was just like, I was all in because somewhere before in my life, I'd heard a similar mantra of the few and the proud that some people were looking for. And this seemed to kind of like echo to that. So I said, all right, let me try that out. And for all that time I was doing that, it was great. It was people person, I was learning the city, appreciating the culture, riding that adventure. But I'd always been healthy. I'd always been, or I should say, I'd always taken care of my body from being an athlete as a kid to running track in college. Yes, I ran track at FIT. We do have a track team, even though most people don't know that. Even at the track meets when I would show up and then check in for the school, and they say, you guys have a track team? I thought it was, I thought it was an art school or fashion school, and I'd be there in the warm-up. Yeah, man, it's crazy. We got warm-ups and everything. <laughs> and uh, all the while, I was always taking care of my – my physicality because I learned in the core to depend on that for my life or that I needed it. If I needed it, like my life depended on it, I better be able to draw from it. So I never lost that. Thank God. And all throughout those years stemming from the early two thousands and onward. And now this, we're talking 2015, 16, that I was always kept in shape. And because of that, I had people reaching out to me, just touch and go here and there asking about this, asking about that. And then asking about how I was, doing these things, how I was dealing with drug abuse, alcohol abuse, you know, child abuse, emotional trauma, like overcoming stress and the disconnects of, of you know, coming back to the civilian life. And, and how are you able to do this, man? What are you doing? And it was building a coaching model. I didn't know it at the time, but it was building what I now teach. And it was dosing to me through family and friends and acquaintances uh, throughout the world than people that I'd met in places and maintained relationships with. 
but I still thought I needed to be corporate Joe. I still thought I needed to be luxury real estate agent and broker, fancy clothes, cool watch, you know, the glim, the glam, because I needed that validation. I needed to show that I was someone and I needed that someone to be shown in order to be recognized. I did not want to be a coach because I didn't like the word association that came with it. I did not want to be a trainer because I did not like the description or the appeal that most people gave to that. And it took me years since roughly 2015 of going back and forth with this idea or having taps on my forehead about it and multiple career paths, you know, trying to juggle them together. And then um, while I was working in real estate, I started competing in bodybuilding because I was at a gym one day shooting a video shoot or workout shoot with a friend. And a guy was like, Hey man, you should try fitness modeling. And that took me on another dive into that whole arena and couple that with my bodybuilding and the natural bodybuilding federation. And there's nutrition involved in that. And so all these things started to kind of come up that I was like, I'm doing all this stuff that's very much health focused. It's a lot about mindset. It's a lot about discipline. It's a lot about accountability. It's a lot about choosing purpose over pleasure, understanding what makes you tick and why and how to overcome adversity. Like all this stuff. And here I am trying to, no, 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 but I want to do this. No, 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 but I want to do this. While I have this whole onslaught of reasons that are becoming character traits, that are becoming attributes, that are showing themselves to be more innate skill sets as opposed to me trying to learn and force this round peg in a square hole kind of thing. Because I thought that's what I wanted. I thought that's who I needed to be. I thought that's what would make me happy. But there I was blowing my way through every bag I could get, drinking away every bottle I could get, spending all the money I was making. And I didn't have the wholesomeness. I had a hole in my heart. I had a void in my soul and I couldn't figure it out. Finally, I started to delve into this other side in 2020. And I tried to go into it and I started the business. I did in like the summer of 2020, but I pulled the plug because I didn't like it. I wasn't ready. No, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So I went to business school uh, again, back in school. People like, oh my God, this guy's a freaking lifelong student. What the hell? But it ended up being pretty well. And, you know, got my MBA through uh, at USC, graduated with honors again. But why did I do that? Well, I had a plan again before this, before the coaching that I got accepted to Le Cordon Bleu to a master culinary program because I was going to leverage my nutrition and my understanding of food coming from New Orleans. My mother's from Mexico and I competed in natural bodybuilding and da, 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 da. that should make a food concept. Let's go cook in Mexico City. So I moved to Mexico City. Work was good. Modeling was good because I'm a Mexican citizen and it's very marketable to be that person and look like me, but live down there. So all that was going great. And then April, March, March, 2020, this weird thing started to happen in the world. And it took my dream away, just like it took a lot of other people's freaking dreams away. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me because from there I got crushed. I was there on, I was all, I was there all in. I pulled up stakes from New York, left the real estate career behind, said, I'm going for this on the, on the dream of leveraging all those things, like I mentioned. And then kapoof, whatever happened, happened. 
And I came back to the States with my head in my hands. And what am I going to do now? I'm pushing 35. What am I going to do now? I, I don't know. This was my all in move. Flip the coin about two applications. I'm either going to go try and work for the agency or I'm going to go back to school. Whoever responds first between SC and the agency, that's what I'm going to do. I didn't hear back from the agency. I heard back from SC. The decision made was there. Did that, went through that, and now went back to New York, back to real estate. I was still trying to scratch at that door, still couldn't figure out that's what I wanted to do and really who I am. And again, the same thing started to really scratch back at me from all those other places and people. And because of my career in natural bodybuilding, I was very successful at it for the amount of time I was there. I had five uh, victories, one of which was a world championship, third place finish. And I didn't realize how important all that was or how, how much benefit that carried with it because of what people saw the value in. I didn't. I mean, to me, it was fun. And I was using myself as a guinea pig because I was testing out all kinds of different diets. I did it as a bro dieter. I did it as a standard American dieter. I did it as if it fits your macros dieter. I did the world championship run as a vegan because people said I couldn't do it because it couldn't be done. Oh, it's like the best motivation you could ever give to me is telling me I can't do something. I'm sure you can relate, Rich. Yes. <laughs> and I had this just momentum that I didn't realize of all these things that again, had to do with health, my own wellness, my own, you know, intestinal fortitude, understanding how to overcome things, how to deal with problems, how to problem solve, pulling from our core principles of honor, courage, and commitment. And then how this is all about personal growth and development and elite mindset, accountability, et cetera, et cetera. And again, there I am putting this thing together, but not, understanding that I was putting something together until finally I had a eureka moment in 2021 where it was like, dude, you need to do this because this is about you becoming the man you never had in your life. And it's the one you need to be because otherwise you're not going to have a life. You've, you've already seen what this road has brought you to and you've had your ups and downs. You've been in and out of rehab. You've checked into places you've dealt with like, that Jake is not going anywhere and you know who you are, you know who you can be. And when I finally had this revelation or epiphany, whatever you want to call it, and I saw the person that I needed to be in my own life, I was devastated because I was like, don't tell me, Oh my God, that's what I have to get through to become that. It's easier just be a drunk, a junkie. It's easier to be a, a consumer. It's easier to hide with substance and things as opposed to taking off the mask and leaning into your honesty and exposing yourself for what you are because that's really going to liberate everything about you. And seeing that person, uh, again, I was just terrified because I was like, oh God, this is going to be so much pain and suffering, but that's what it's about. And so for me to become that person that I needed, the man that I never had in my life, that I needed in my own life to become him was to walk through a path of suffering and to be in my own self-mastery and to do that. That's the road that's paved in suffering. 
And so now I've embraced that challenge. I look forward to the pain. I welcome it. I make hard to have it. And so I'm now proudly serving uh, a community of people by way of an elite mindset coaching program that is pillared around leadership, particularly Marine Corps leadership principles, extreme accountability, self-reliance, intestinal fortitude, honor, courage, commitment, fitness, nutrition, and spiritual and physical nutrition. That's literally changing people's lives every day. That was what I was a call that I was on before ours today. And I'll have another one shortly after this one tonight and waking up every day now with purpose, going to sleep with wholesomeness, not feeling empty or otherwise. And every day's Christmas morning and, you know, every day's, uh, you know, a, a gift. Definitely. And, uh, what a journey, what a, that's a, a wild journey. And thank you. And, uh, I just sat here trying to take as much notes as possible on here. I, I wrote who that and crossed it out a couple of times saying I should have had number one pick this year, but it'll happen. But I, I understand that stuff. And uh, right now I want to take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll chat a little more. I'll go and uh, have some questions for you and we'll just rock this out. Sounds good, brother. Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind MAPCO at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. All right, welcome back to the Misfit Nation. Again, we're chatting with USMC veteran uh, Jake Thomas. He just told us his journey, his life journey, and it's an amazing journey. If you missed it, it'll just be published again in about a week uh, so you get on all our channels and hear that story. And not just the story of what he went through, but how he came out of it, how he, every time he, he was about to fall, he'd get back up. How he was in the, the throw of being basically tied down by addiction and alcoholism and consumerism. And he was able to fight his way out of that. And being the Ura Marine he is, he was able to use those things he learned as a young Marine and came back and fought through education at a, a later time, then shocked his parents, shocked the world, getting straight A's, being this uh, salutatorian. Uh, running track at FIT. I grew up up there, had no idea that FIT had a track program. Thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, but I did read your bio earlier about running a three a sub-330 marathon with no nutrition. What went through your mind to do that? Oh, great question. So in uh, the summer of 2020, I started my delve into the carnivore diet. Why first? Well, because I just finished my best career at the time of bodybuilding in physique. And I did that last championship or world championship run as a vegan. And not too long after that, I've been a vegan for just over a little over a year. And I'd always experimented with various diets because as I, as I was coaching people in nutrition, I wanted to come from a place of empathy so that I could understand how they felt, why they felt the way they did, how they were performing, what was affecting them, et cetera. So I used myself as an N of one to be a vegetarian for over a year, to be a vegan for over a year, to be a pescatarian for over a year, any type of diet I could subscribe to for an extended period of time so I could really understand it, so I could advise on it. So this 
friend of mine, a close friend of mine, hits me up with this thing not too long after that uh, last vegan run. And he's like, hey, man, you should try this out. And I'm like, dude, respectfully, I was very egoic. I was like, respectfully, I'm just coming from a world championship. You know, I literally saw the, the metal around my neck in my mind. And he's like, you should try out this carnivore diet. And I'm like, what could be more opposite than being a vegan than this? You know, and here I am thinking I know a lot about nutritional science and dietetics, which I did do, I guess. And some of those things I thought were dogmatic or absolute. And he tells me this. And I'm like, oh, so it's like keto. And he's like, no, bro, just me. I'm like, okay, so like keto, but with veggies? No, dude, like just meat. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll look into it. I'll let you know. I'm always open to ideas. I'll try anything twice, sometimes five times. But curious is the word of me, Rich. Curious. Like curiosity is everything to me. And that's my favorite word in the world. It's the word I'll have forever. So if anything, I'm always going to be curious and I'll ask and I will ask why before telling why I will admire before I criticize. So sure enough, I was like, all right, dude, I'll bite. I'll try it for 30 days. Let's see what happens. Sure enough, did the 30 days, felt great, had some cool results, blah, 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 blah. And that just opened this rabbit hole of like continued exploration. So fast forward a few years, I'm still on this carnivore diet, predominantly animal-based diet, meaning 90% of the food I was eating was derived from an animal. I would mix in other things, marginally fruits, occasionally a vegetable, but rarely, and fractional carbohydrates, but also rarely. So I had finished a, uh, a half marathon in New Orleans in 2021, Halloween, Halloween, the Halloween half, which is super cool because down there, Halloween's a big day for us. Any day to put on costumes and party and have a good time. It's kind of our thing, right? The Saints also play a lot on Halloween night, which is a blast because we all go in costumes to the game. Again, a city that doesn't need an excuse to dress <laughs> up has the best excuse to dress up. It's freaking great. I took my mother. Uh, we picked off Tom Brady with a pick six to win that game. I nice. think the play. It was awesome. Yeah. So finished the race and it was a half and I ran the half really well, like sub two hours or sub 90 minutes rather. And I finished and I was like, man, I feel really good. I could run up. I should just run a full one right now. Let me see when the next full marathon is. I've never run a marathon. I've never run more than like 16 miles. And it was uh, November 21st was the next one in Philadelphia. And I just finished Halloween day 31. So I had 21 days, or I guess yeah, 20, 20 days, not counting the race day to train for this kind of short notice. If you ask most people, Yes. <laughs> but I was like, by the way that I felt after the half and by how I'd been training then and how I'd been eating on this diet now for almost two years, I was like, I can do this. Like I did the math in my head based on my feeling, based on my performances. Like I was like, this should work. Like I understand. So I trained for it as best I could over 20 days, which isn't a lot came to the race. And then I was just thinking like, all right, I'm going to run. I'm going to take it a step further. Call from. I'm going to call coming in for the show. Jake. Press, Sorry. press one to send a voicemail. Press two. I'm going to run this three 30 or better because of how I ran the half, I'll just continue that. And if I need to change my splits, like I did the math and I was like, I can do this. 
I'm going to do it fasted for sure. Cause that's just how I do all my <laughs> races and workouts anyway. So I'm going to eat the night before. And then I was like, you know what? I didn't drink any water on the half marathon. I might as well not drink any water on this thing. too. Wow. Let's see what <laughs> so I ate the night before prepped the day of, you know, I had my water and electrolytes in the morning and then on, and I actually made some stuff to have with me on the course just for emergency. Like I made my own bone marrow with some raw cream electrolyte powder in there to make basically like a gel. It's like a carnivore, you know, animal-based gel, as opposed to taking the, the ones like everybody else had, which are carbohydrate and sugar based. And I ran the race and I didn't use them. And I, it was hard, you know, after mile 18, like it got tough for sure. And water would have definitely helped, but my pace was good enough through the first 16 that I, even though I dropped, I still came in 326, no, no water, no food, no gels, no nothing. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, I mean, I've run my first marathon I ran. I didn't realize I was, I didn't turn my headphones on for 16 miles. So I was all on adrenaline the whole time. So <laughs> I got to mile 16 and said, oh, my, my iPod must have died. But then I realized I never turned it on. So uh, it's an amazing thing, the marathon, a great role. And on the line right now is uh, Philip D. Blackman of the Philip D. Blackman Show. And he, he wants to talk to you here. So, Philip, if you can hear me, jump in. Yeah, I got you. Hey, Rich, man, thanks for uh, thanks for bringing me on. Jake, first and foremost, man, Simplify Devil Dog, thank you for your service. Simplify, Ura Marine. No, negative, man. I'm just a lowly piss-ass soldier, but I love my I love my Marines regardless of the uh, regardless. I don't come with crayons, but you know I still love you guys. And uh, man, what a what a very uh, what a very impactful story. Uh, at first, and I appreciate you. It takes a lot of testicular fortitude to come out and, and share a, a story like that. And man, thank you for doing so. Um, Jake, the question I had for you, man, because it seems like you pretty much tried every diet under the sun and, you know, every diet's a fad, you know, I've spent 43 years working on my before picture, right? <laughs> so now I'm on this transition where I'm working on myself. Uh, I've lost 60 pounds so far, you know, I'm, I'm eating right. I'm, I'm, I'm eating healthy. I'm high proteins, very, you know, no sugars, no fat, things like that. So out of all the different diets, all the different fads uh, that someone has dared you to try that you tried on your own, man, which one do you, you know, for, for someone who, who's not a peak performance athlete like yourself, but they're one to make sure their body's getting properly nourished without malnourishment, what is the best way that you would think to, uh, to tell somebody to go about that? Uh, easy question for me to answer. 100% is the carnivore diet. So if you think about it this way, and why I say that 100%, again, I'm speaking from all the other ones that I've not just done for a week. Like when people say, yeah, try that diet. How long do you do it for? A week, 30 days, a couple of months. I've done all of these for at least a year. My sample size was at least a year. So that's the first separator that you, anyone that ever tells you about a diet they've subscribed to, ask them for how long they did it. So if you think about all those other diets, think about all of us as infants. If you have kids, you'll know this even better. When your children... Oh, yeah. Are feeding on breast milk, on just breast milk. What is breast milk? Why do we have it? Why is it made? Because it is a single source of sustenance to provide a developing infant everything it needs with minimal discard, maximum efficiency, and as little stress on that body as possible. That's the most important thing. Because well, where am I going to find a woman to let me try that? 
No, I'm just playing. No, hey, I know you're serious. You asked for the diet, not the billionaire. <laughs> hey, I'm just playing. Uh, but hey, no, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. But what I would, I would like to hear the rest of this answer. Uh, I'm going to jump off so someone else can call in, but I will be tuned back in to hear the rest of your answer. But Jake, again, thank you so much, uh, Rich. God bless you, brother. Appreciate you, PDB. I'll be listening. Out. All right, bye. Thanks, Kelly. All right, thanks, uh, PDB, for calling in. Jake, Ed, you can finish your answer now. <laughs> so, um, with regards to the diet and why and the breast milk metaphor, if you were to try to find a single source of sustenance on this earth now that can give the human body everything it needs, again, a single source, one thing, not a plate of things, one thing, it's going to be red meat. It's not going to be an avocado. It's not going to be a fruit. It's not going to be a vegetable. If you had to give the body one thing right now to give it the most amount of a nutrient profile, the most amount of nutrient density, meaning it's got all the fat you can get, all the protein you can get, all the micronutrients, the minerals, the enzymes, the amino acids, that panel of elements, it's going to be from that item. At the same time, the benefits you're going to receive from that the body is going to process it efficiently. There's going to be minimal storage, limited discard, and again, not stressing the body. So that is why on this diet, people cure their eczema, people cure their autoimmune diseases, people cure their depression, their anxiety, they get off addiction because their bodies are finally able to thrive because they're not being bombarded with tons of different variables. People will argue this forever. Um, but to me, it's almost an inarguable point because people are trying to argue with their hearts, their tongues, and their brains, whereas the body is an unbiased communicator, meaning you can argue all you want about your reasons for being a vegan or an abstainer of this food or whatnot. The fact is every person on this planet drank fucking breast milk. Oh, that's all right. Sorry, drinks breast milk. Breast milk is animal based. It is a carnivore food. I don't believe, I don't know if there are vegan babies yet, vegan infants that refuse breast milk. Maybe their parents prevented from them, but it's in your nature to have that. As we develop and grow older, we have loyalties. We have egoic reasons to, you know, live this way or religious uh, abstinence to not do this, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard to turn that off with people because you've got your heart invested into it. You've got your ego invested into it. Your tongue loves it. Your brain, your pleasure receptors like love. This isn't about pleasure. This is about objective truth and fact. Again, what single item, if you had to live on one single item to thrive, it's not going to be any of that other stuff. It's going to be red meat. So if you remove all these other things and allow the body to thrive with none of these other variables going on, it is amazing what it's able to do from the inside on its own. It's not about being superhuman. This is about being human. And the number one most impactful thing any person on the planet can do in regards to their health is controlling what they put into their mouths. Period. End of story. It's not about exercise. It's not about yoga. It's not about reading. It's not about mindfulness. That's it. And that is what I coach people on. I should say that's the bedrock of what I coach people on. So 
Phil of uh, Blackman had to follow up, but isn't it harder to digest? It is easier to digest. So right back to the breast milk thing with your kids, Phil. When they're on breast milk, their bowel movements are not that bad. Many people think my kid's the special one because the bowel movements aren't that bad. They're kind of neutral. The texture, the consistency, the baby doesn't cry much. There's not a lot of rashes. It's weird. Literally, many people think their kids are the special child that their, their shit doesn't stink. It's not until you introduce those green and orange jars that all hell breaks loose and you smell it from down the hall and across the neighborhood. And then the babies are sick. They're having problems. That is the first sign right there about the problems with digestion. The compatibility of red meat and animal foods is that they are very similar to what we are. Their tissue, the makeup, the biology, the metaphysiology, the, the elements that create and, and make these things are very much like we are. Hence why we use pig hearts for transplants, why we use arteries of other animals to replace some of our own. You are not going to do that with a celery stalk. You are not going to do that with insert whatever else you want. You're doing this with these other things because of the compatibility of them to our own. So that for digestion, you're talking about hyper, hyper processing efficiency, meaning back to the bowel movement reason. You're going to be absorbing everything you're eating. There's going to be very little to digest. Back to being a vegan bodybuilder. I used to have five, six bowel movements a day. And I would think, wow, I'm so healthy. That's why I'm doing this. My metabolism so fast. No, stupid Jake. That's everything that's being discarded. Everything that is unnecessary. That is literally refuse. What is refuse? It is waste. And now, just like the little infants, my bowel movements are extremely infrequent, sometimes as little as once a week. The scent is gone. I have no gas. I have no indigestion ever. I do not have bad breath ever. The frequency, the consistency, the volume for myself, for all my clients, the people that are 100% carnivore, it's all gone. That is literally the body telling you we have no waste because we're using everything you're putting into us. So if you want to save on toilet paper, Paul, if you want to have the best digestion, digestion by not having any indigestion or otherwise discomfort, this is the way you do it. If you never want to belch again, if you never want to have bad breath again, all of those things come from here, come from the gut, come from inside of us. And those are all signals telling you that there is disruption, that there is an incompatibility going on. Oh, I've got inflammation going on here. It's a gut issue. Oh, I've got bad breath. It's a gut issue. Oh, I've got sleep apnea. I snore. It's a freaking gut issue. The people that I have gotten off of sleep apnea machines, the guys that I've got to stop snoring, whose wives now thank me to this day because they can finally sleep. The people that had halitosis that no longer have bad breath. The people that had irritable bowel syndrome that now don't have to use the restroom with fear or can't sit still without being afraid of something happening. Urinary tract problems, prostate uh, inflammation gone, cancers being gone, autistic children speaking publicly without fear. People that are prescribed Xanax since their adolescence, 30 years being on these medications, haven't been able to get off of them, no longer taking their prescription drugs. Addicts for decades, 
no longer having the grip, hold them down. Like it's right there. Nothing else does this. You cannot do this on these other things because there's too many variables coming into the body and the body is going all over the place trying to process those variables. Now, by putting this one thing and giving the body everything it needs from that one thing, the processing is super simple and efficient. And the body just goes, oh man, we got all hands on deck. You guys can come off QRF. We don't need to send the fire brigade there because normally the body is just getting bombarded with like, what the hell are you doing to me, Rich, Paul? Like, who are all these people? Uh, like, as opposed to, wow, it's so peaceful in here. <laughs> that's homeostasis. That's what the body does. And that's what I teach. Awesome. Uh, uh, Philip also asked, where can someone find information like this? Uh, is there a website or a source that you use to find it? And then he also said, uh, vegan babies left. Well, at least they know their gender, but not their diet priorities. <laughs> Yes, uh, you can find all the information at lifelikejake.com. Fill out the application, sign up with me. I'll show you everything you need to know. It is science-based. It's also anecdotally based. A lot of what I teach and draw from is legitimate as far as in nutritional science, dietetics, much of which is conventional. A lot of it now is controversial. However, this is the cusp of what I would call a movement to where people are now not necessarily believing a lot of nutritional science as absolute as what they have in the past. And you can probably see a lot of those trends and debates going on right now between doctors like Sean Baker and Paul Saladino, who are kind of the forefront leaders of the carnivore diet movement. But there are plenty of other uh, thought leaders and creators out there that are doing similar things like I'm doing. And I'm just trying to help people expand their own consciousness and understanding uh, in the same way that I have. Awesome. And uh, if you can give tips to people to take that same mentality you have now and same one I use, the challenge accepted mentality, have that mindset, hey, you can't do this. Okay, I got this. What tips would you give people to lean forward and take that challenge and run with it just like Barney Stinson used to? Anytime you're met with resistance, that's almost confirmation that you're headed in the right direction. Right. You know, when the world starts to feel like it's coming after you or people are questioning you or you seem like the weirdo, or you're, you're getting there. You're starting to scratch at the door. You know, when, when people start looking at you like, what's wrong with this guy? And why are you the, like, you're starting to get there. Like you're starting to arrive. So in those moments, rather than kind of crumble from it or like, be afraid, like lean into it and use courage. What is courage? Well, courage is being afraid, acknowledging the fear, yet moving forward in spite of it. So have some courage. We all have courage. It's just knowing how to act in the face of fear. Oh, I'm not afraid of anything. No, then you're a liar. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to cry. It's okay to scream. It's okay to cower, but just identify that fear, acknowledge it, and move forward in spite of it. I used to be terrified as a kid of werewolves, but I couldn't help but watch the movies. <laughs> Even if I had to sit there like this and, you know, hide under the covers, like I couldn't help but watch it. And so as a kid, those, that was me getting my reps in, Rich. Like Definitely. I get those reps in, you know, and it's like you're callousing that fear a little bit and learning to 
to deal with it. And eventually it started to become like this, like this. And now I watch them like wide eyed, you know, cause I'm like, man, bring it on motherfucker. You know, I got you. Yeah, I got you, but you need to take time to work on that. There's trial by fire, but you can also trial by repetition yourself. And you can test that model. You're afraid of public speaking, speak more. You're afraid to be on camera, get on camera more. Whatever your fear is, whatever gives you that anxiety, action is the kryptonite for it. So the more that you can do, the less you're going to dwell on the thought of that fear. Outstanding. Jake, this has been a great conversation. Uh, we, we're about that at the time we have to pass off the mic to the next show. But thank you for being flexible and jumping right in to do this today. I think we just started talking a day and a half ago and got this thing going. I'll be glad to have you on again and continue this conversation and see where you're heading in the next direction and how many more people you've helped in the future. Man, it's been a pleasure, Rich. Thank you so much for the opportunity and thank you for your service and to everyone else that tuned in for theirs and to everyone else out there. Be well. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com it's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear as always, be humble stay hungry and keep hustling because we are you stay a little while keep me safe cause there's monsters right outside daddy please don't go I don't want to be alone cause the second that you're gone they're gonna know before he went to bed he grabbed my hand and said just cause I'm leaving it don't mean it, I won't be right by your side When you need me, you can't see me In the middle of the night Just close your eyes and say a prayer It's okay, I know you're scared when I'm not here But I'll always be right there Even though I'm leaving Sam don't like the way He's got a big old plane That's gonna take me far away I know I act But there's a churning in my gut Cause I just can't call you up When things get rough Before I left he hugged my neck And said Just cause you're leaving it don't mean it, I won't be right by your side When you need me, you can't see me In the middle of the night Just close your eyes and say a prayer It's okay, I know you're scared I might be here But I'll always be right there Even though you're leaving, I ain't going
you stay a little while I never thought I'd see the day I had to say goodbye Daddy, please don't go I can't do this on my own There's no way that I can walk this road alone Daddy grabbed my hand and said Just cause I'm leaving, it don't mean that I won't be right by your side When you need me and you can't see me 